who was Alex Azar? Alex Azar was the head of Eli Lilly. And I've talked about it, but not all the way back to the, um, the very beginning of this. I just went back and did a deep dive into his history, deeper than I'd done before. I, typically, what I do is I tell people, and I've said this many, many times, you've heard this if you listen to the program, that uh, Trump had uh, presented himself as a vaccine skeptic. Well, I think maybe, you know, vaccines are maybe correlated to the rise of autism. Does anybody have any other ideas about this? Should we uh, ask why there's an increase in autism? If it's not vaccines, then what is it? Oh, you don't care that it's exploded, do you? Uh, we shouldn't look. And so he was skeptical about that. He brought in RFK Jr. to Trump Tower during the um, uh, transition period between the election and the time they got sworn in on January the 21st. And then um, right away, big pharmaceutical uh, companies made a big donation to Trump. And they brought in then, he never talked to RFK Jr. again, but they brought in the CEO of Eli Lilly. Eli Lilly, as I said in the past, has been one of the most politically connected companies during the Bush administration. You had what was called the Lilly Rider uh, when they were putting together the PrEP Act, which is the legal immunity from being sued that we now have. Uh, all these things that were added in in the aftermath of 9-11 and the anthrax attack in 2001. Uh, but he's got a much more interesting background. And um, when you look at um, where um, Alex Azar came from, uh, he began his political career with the Bush administration. He began, he, was, he joined the Bush administration in August of 2001. Isn't it interesting how these people, how many of these people got in just a month or a couple of weeks you know, new FBI director, uh, all of a sudden, just before 9-11. Well, Alex Azar was one of those people. He was confirmed as the general counsel for the Department of Health and Human Services, HHS, one month before 9-11, uh, which is one month after dark winter simulation. And then one week after 9-11, we had the anthrax attack, and then two months later, we had model state legislation that went out to uh, all the different states and said, here, pass these laws at the state level to allow you to do these things at the state level. We'll send you the money later, okay? Which is what they did in 2020. That's what's, what uh, Trump's executive order did. It released the money to the governors. If they do what they had already put on the books because they were offered that model legislation, then it all, all worked out. So he gets in. Um, one month before 9-11, a week after 9-11, you have the anthrax attacks, and he's played a very important role in handling the anthrax attacks, which presumably contributed to his eventual confirmation as deputy secretary of HHS under George W. Bush. You see, this is why I say, and I always said that this 2020 so-called pandemic was the other shoe to drop from 9-11. And this guy was there wearing the shoes <laughs> at the time. Uh, after he left his position at the Department of Health and Human Services, he became a lobbyist for Eli Lilly. In fact, he was their top lobbyist. Very good at it. But after o Obama got in in 2008, Eli Lilly decided that they needed to have a Democrat-leaning lobbyist. So he um, left that position. And then 
it wasn't long before he became CEO, president of Eli Lilly. And as he was president, they got a lot of criticism because the prices for their drugs went up tremendously. You know, kind of like Ramaswamy, kind of like Martin Scarelli, you know, price gouging, that type of thing. As a matter of fact, their top-selling insulin drug tripled in price under Alex Azar, Trump's HHS secretary, eventual HHS secretary. Uh, it resulted in a class action lawsuit against it, as well as two other companies. And Eli Lilly was actually fined in Mexico because they don't own the Mexican government like they own the American government. And um, then he uh, claimed a year before all this stuff happened, almost, in April of 2019, uh, Alex Azar claimed that pandemic flu was one of the things that concerned him a great deal. He said this publicly at a summit on biodefense. Now, it was in April, April, May of that clip that I have of Trump that I play all the time. They got to get it. It's really going around. I don't really care what their religious issues are, their medical issues. I got to get the shot. It's going around, that type of thing. That's exactly the same time frame. And so while he is saying that, his HHS secretary goes to a summit on biodefense in April of 2019. And it was Alex Azar who in January, the end of January 2020, uh, said, you know, what, nine months later, he uh, was the one who declared the pandemic. You know, Trump declared the emergency and released the money. Uh, but it was Alex Azar who declared the pandemic in the end of January. And so he was already telegraphing in April that there's going to be a pandemic flu. Just like with Fauci at the Milken, Milken Institute in October. How do you get everybody to take an untested vaccine? Well, you do it from the inside. You do it with chaos and you do it iteratively, right? These people, besides all the practicing of the war games, I think an event 201 was the last one. But that all goes back to Dark Winter and it was an annual event. They were telegraphing it all over the place. What they were going to do. Well, healthfreedomdefense.org. Talks about lab leak, an elaborate misdirection. And I agree with him. I think this whole thing about the lab leak is a fraud. And I've said it publicly. I'm on record saying that from the very beginning. As a matter of fact, uh, it was um, when this stuff was being pushed and they were pushing the fear and the panic and Infowars. Uh, I didn't make any secret of my contempt for this idea that uh, there was some kind of a pandemic, some kind of a, a, a geoengineered uh, bioweapon. Uh, people wanted to come on. I've had, you know, people, I won't mention his name, but, you know, he's a, a very well-known. I And I enjoyed what he had to say about defense and other things like that. Uh, he's uh, He knows what he's doing. He's a former Navy SEAL. But he came on. He was he, he doesn't know anything about what he's talking. He's just regurgitating panic stuff. Oh, this this is engineered it's got a little hook and it hooks onto you you didn't see any of this stuff you, you've seen some computer animation and you've heard some narratives coming out of mainstream media you don't know any of this stuff and you know just like steve pachinik i said don't put him back on again if he's going to push stuff like that that um you know i don't think that he was rigging it in the same way that steve pachinik does but if he's going to regurgitate stuff like that that he doesn't know anything about uh, I'm just not going to go there. But everybody was doing that at InfoWars. That's one of the reasons why Alex put me on with uh, Francis Boyle. 
who wanted to push this stuff. And uh, with all due respect, Francis, you have no idea what you're talking about with this stuff. And you have no evidence for any of this stuff. And anybody that looks at this stuff logically, and again, I say with all due respect, because every time I would say something, he would come back. Well, you know, since I'm from Harvard and uh, with all due respect, I must say that uh, blah, blah, blah. Well, he doesn't know what he's talking about. And I know exactly what Alex is doing with this stuff. He knows exactly what he's doing. And so this is what Health Freedom Defense says. The ongoing investigations into the elusive COVID pandemic murder mystery. And that's what it is. It's an Agatha Christie murder mystery. And guess what? When the investigations are being done by the people who committed the murders, we're not going to find the murderers, are we? It's cluttered with all manner of obfuscation and misdirection. And chief among these shaky postulations are the various iterations of the virus lab leak theory, which has more lives than a feral cat and possesses a capacity for reappearing as often as the shambling zombies who lurk in the woods at the edge of town. Once the curtain is pulled back on the unsubstantiated lab leak hypothesis, the socially engineered sorcery, good word, good word, pharmakia, right? Yeah, the Greek word, pharmakia, translated as sorcery. Always a part of these religious rituals and anything, but it is sorcery and it's deception as well. The sorcery of the pandemic is revealed as the base scheme that it is. The lab leak claim posits that SARS-CoV-2 is an engineered, quasi-biological, deadly gain-of-function phenomenon rather than a computer-generated construct, complete with computer animation. Yeah, all this stuff you saw, this virus and everything, they don't have any pictures of that. You can't see a virus. You know, this is a, it is a construct. It is a theoretical construct. Uh, just like an atom, right? What is an atom? Is an atom like the Neil Bohr's model where you got, you know, a nucleus and you got these orbiting electrons, all this kind of stuff? Or is it like uh, the quantum physics and other things like that? Uh, you know, what is it really? Well, they don't know. They've got different models that they try to use to explain the way things work. But um, again, uh, it isn't um, something that they've actually isolated or they got a picture of. Uh, so the, um, by implying that the virus was a man-made microbial murderer, promulgators of the lab leak story avoid facing the fact that the last three and a half years were deliberate, highly organized culling of the global population under the guise of protecting, quote, public health, unquote. Yeah, this was planned, acted for 20 years. And Alex Azar was there at the very beginning and to, um, he was the, Kind of the uh, anchor guy in this tag team match. Many people who are in the know, who are skeptical of medical industries, pharmacological fantasies, are still trapped on this lab leak circuit. And many of them who know better are pushing it. Because, oh, look, I told you this from the very beginning. And they were pushing back on it. You know, I mean, that's, you think about how effective that strategy is. You got Alex Jones out there saying, yeah, it's going to kill everybody. It's perfected in the labs and leaked out. And then you got Fauci. Oh, no, no, no. Don't panic, everybody. That's not what it is. And people say, he's not telling us the truth because he's involved in creating it and all the rest of this stuff. And now even Fauci, even though, and he knows he's not going to be arrested for anything. Yeah, he, he would have liability if that were true. 
but he's putting it out there because it provides an alibi for what he knowingly did and what really happened, which was the murder of people with his vaccine and with remdesivir and these other things. The hospital death protocol that the Trump administration bribed hospitals to do. That's why they come back to this lab leak thing. And then you got the big con press like InfoWars telling you, that, oh, see, we were right all along. Now even Fauci is admitting that we were right. And what are they doing? They're distracting everybody from the real murder plot. How did this all of a sudden spread everywhere? It's not like you can trace it from this and that and it gradually moves out, right? It's some kind of a contagious disease. No, all of a sudden it springs up everywhere. And the people who are dying look like the people who have always died. And there's a seasonal flu. It looks like that. It looks like the actuarial tables. Um, <clears throat> equally inexplicable is the fact that in 2020 reported cases of flu suddenly vanished. We have no flu because they're relabeling it. So you got 80 plus year olds who had multiple comorbidities. You had other chronically ill people already in or sent to hospitals and nursing homes. In these institutions, COVID patients were forcibly treated with toxic medications. They were placed on sedatives, on ventilators that blew up or collapsed their lungs. They were abandoned in rooms to die a painful, lonely, despairing death. Family members prevented from being at their side to comfort them, to question the macabre protocols being mercilessly inflicted and to get them out of these death row facilities. This was all 100% Trump administration, folks. 100%. He bragged about what he was doing. Yeah, I made no secret of my contempt for these lies. Countless incongruities point to the lab leak theory and possibly the virus itself being a myth. So, some questions. What dark magic was involved that trained this microbe to be released only upon administrative orders and to, pink, uh, to peak in synchronicity only in select locations? Are we to believe that a suddenly super-spreading, deadlier-than-flu, gain-of-function virus waited for the government decree to create excess deaths? Why did this deadly virus cause no mass death in Wuhan, where a lab leak is said to have originated. The ostensible virus did not migrate from northern Italy to central or southern Italy, nor did it impact any other parts of Europe. Instead, it improbably hopped, skipped, and jumped its way straight to the public hospital in Elmhurst in New York. And as I said, all these uh, at the time, they were talking at the very same hospitals that they said were overcrowded in a panic situation. I pulled up articles, and it was two or three years earlier. They had said the same thing, and they were saying it at the time because they wanted more money. So uh, all of this false. But um, they said, um, uh, we got to believe that this whole thing was geographically savvy. How did you have, like New York, right? Um, it's all there in Manhattan. It doesn't even cross the river. Get to the other side. COVID-affected counties in the U.S. are right next to unaffected areas, including the New York City metro area, where the virus seemed unable to cross the river. Was this gain-of-function hobgoblin designed to recognize county, state, and national boundaries and to stick to urban areas while leaving suburban and rural communities largely alone? The lab leak story surfaced early on. It was quickly adopted and became an accepted narrative amongst skeptics. You see, that was the role that was being played by the big con media, by Infowars and others. Uh, some establishment COVID skeptics 
have built their reputations, in some case, their entire cottage industry around the lab leak mythology. I told you this from the very beginning, they'll say. And uh, so to uh, justify another round of lockdowns, to codify more draconian measures such as mandated vaccination in the future, all that will be needed is to reignite the fear of a bioweapon. You see how dangerous this is? Do you think that Trump would do that in the second term since he did it in the first term, since he's still bragging about doing it in the first term? Do you think he's likely to do it? I do. I do. That's why I say I don't, I don't support either one. Biden would do it as well. You better get focused on the state level because these clowns at the federal level, whether it's Trump or whether it's Biden, they're going to try to pull this game on you again. Uh, The related result of focusing on the lab leak conjecture is that it shores up the deadly novel virus suddenly appeared narrative, which provides a rationale for the biosecurity complex to siphon trillions of dollars into their industry. They can distract attention from how the perception of a pandemic mass panic was conjured with staged Hollywood productions, the dancing nurses, the rest of the stuff with a very, you know, you got drone footage, you got big boom cameras, everything is coordinated. Do you think those are really nurses that were even dancing there? Uh, Doomsday models, the meaningless PCR tests of fraudulently manufactured cases that spuriously attributed death from other causes to COVID. But perhaps the biggest problem with accepting and promoting all this big lie that there was ever a pandemic, is a theory hides crimes that were committed by the hospitals and nursing homes and politicians. Not only does the pandemic narrative serve to conceal the likelihood that this was a mass murder spree set off by policies constructed, orchestrated, mandated by identifiable individuals, it also serves as a smokescreen to the entire COVID operation. David Knight Show is a critical thinking super spreader. If you've been exposed to logic by listening to the David Knight Show, please do your part and try not to spread it. Financial support or simply telling others about the show causes this dangerous information to spread farther. People have to trust me. I mean, trust the science. Wear your mask. Take your vaccine. Don't ask questions. Using free speech to free minds. It's the David Knight Show.